2: And welcome back to the Exon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the. Xone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Xeno FM, and of course our good friends at Simul Radio and Simul TV. If you'd like to send me an email, Xone at XoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV, And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365. Including two new shows that are coming on, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, and then we also have uh, Freeman Fly, The Psychedelic Witch. Two new programming starting within the next two weeks right here on the Exone Broadcast Network, and our website is xzbn.net. And for the Exxon, uh TV channel on Simultv, TV or channel 21 at simultv.com. My guest this hour, XO Nation, is Andrew Lake. He is the founder of Greenville Paranormal and is the author of Ghost Hunting Southern Southern New England. He's a regular cast member of the 30-odd Minutes, a voice artist, and has been uh, featured in documentaries and television shows about New England ghost stories. And uh, welcome to the show, Andrew.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: What was it that got you interested in becoming a paranormal investigator or ghost hunter?
3: Well, I think it's the same for everybody. It's a, a personal experience. And uh, uh, since the age of 11, mm-hmm. I've had a, a, a number of experiences. And and uh, I've also um, uh, met an awful lot of people who have uh, shared their experiences with me. So uh, be, be, becoming a believer um, was, was pretty natural for me. And plus, I live in probably one of the strangest locations on the planet earth and that's that's new england new england is <laughs> a very strange place and it's full of hauntings and and other things
2: why do you think new england is so haunted
3: that's a question i get asked all the time and it, it mm-hmm. could be uh many things it, it could be the fact that uh our history is long and, and bloody there's right. an awful lot of violence in new england uh, a lot of people don't know of uh the king phillips war which was uh, an absolute horrendous uh, war that took place in uh, the 17th century. Uh, per capita, it was more bloody than our own civil war. Uh, you have a lot of people that uh, settled from Europe, a lot of Puritans that um, you know, had that fire and brimstone kind of um, uh, view of uh, the afterworld. And, and this, it's been theorized mm-hmm. that maybe the deaths of a lot of Puritans who weren't too pure when they were alive, maybe they, they're holding on to this side of the veil and don't want to go somewhere where they might be judged. So... Maybe that's why we've got uh, a lot of uh, Puritan uh, uh, ghosts, but um, it could also be something to do with the geography. You don't know, and 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 of course I like to think that you know outside the box, I like to think that you know things, uh, all strange things are connected in some mm-hmm. way. And you know we have a lot of UFO sightings here in New England, and I've sometimes toyed with the theory that you know maybe maybe those craft and their propulsion units rip holes in, in space and time, and we're seeing things that you know, normally you wouldn't see. Um, don't know. We have weird weather in New England too. Maybe the weather has something to do with it. I, I don't know, but it's one of those questions that I'm constantly mulling over and, and wondering about myself.
2: In your opinion, where is the most haunted or paranormal location in New England?
3: Um, I would have to say, uh, what's become known as the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, that was coined in the, um, the, the the late 70s mm-hmm. early 80s by uh Lauren Coleman. Lauren Coleman is probably like one yeah. of the researchers into um uh, mostly cryptozoology but he he looks into all kinds of weird things and he lived in the area. Mm-hmm. He lived in Massachusetts and while doing you know his own research into everything from cryptid creatures to ghosts, UFOs and and what have you. He started to realize that there was a central point uh where these 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 cases seemed to focus and that was in and around the huckamuck swamp and when he uh, looked at his map of all his cases he found that from uh, up north the town of abington mass and if he came down and connected to um, rehoboth and then went over to about freetown near the, near uh, the city of fall river right. he basically came up with a triangle and at mm-hmm. the center of it were there seemed to be a concentration but even as lauren has said to myself and and, and my other colleagues he said look i started this And I came up with the the triangle because it was like the Bermuda Triangle. It kind of rolled off the tongue and caught people's attention. But he said, I'm willing to accept that it goes out into Cape Cod because Cape Cod is very, very haunted. And my whole state of Rhode Island in eastern Connecticut, it's unbelievable the number of ghost stories that I keep coming across as well as strange creature stories and and, uh, strange lights and, and possible UFO stories.
2: Tell us about your organization, Greenville
3: Paranormal. Uh, it's it's kind of a kind of a sham. I I get a, a kick out of uh, when people ask me about it. I am Greenville Paranormal. I'm basically the only member of it.
2: So all um, three of you, right? Yeah.
3: yeah I, basically, it's a name <laughs> to give to somebody when I'm I'm looking to introduce myself when I've I've heard rumors that mm. a certain location is haunted. I'd, it's more of a front to present myself and saying, "Hey, my name's Andy. I believe in ghosts." Right. Um, but basically, that that is my organization. I started it back in two thousand five uh, uh it, when i started a website for it so i could attract a little more attention to myself but i investigate with uh other people i know throughout southern new england i like to bring other people in who've got different disciplines and different approaches and and um i've met some people that just have the knack for getting evps and and other people that mm-hmm. you bring them into the environment and sure enough something will happen there's just something about their, their makeup or something, but um, does anything, I try to keep things flexible.
2: Does anything happen when you go out on your own to do an investigation?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. I've I've, I've had moments mm. where, thank God I had a camera or an audio recorder going uh, and was able to catch something of what I experienced, but yeah, I've had um, a moment in an attic in a house in uh, a cushion at Massachusetts where I got four Class A EVPs in one night um, in response to me. Uh, I've uh, been out on a, a road in foster rhode island looking for a, a ghost that's referred to as the grange hall ghost and had probably one of the worst anxiety attacks i've ever had will go something and as soon as i i composed myself and got a hold of myself and continued the investigation i found later the next day at that point in my video i caught a bizarre glowing blue swirl of I guess you could call it ectoplasm, coming up out of the ground and going off into a cemetery. And I didn't see it with my own eyes at the time, but it may explain the anxiety attack I had. So to answer your question, yeah, there have been a number of times where I've been completely on my own and uh, I've had some remarkable experiences. But it's so much better when you have other people there that you can later dissect what happened and maybe debunk it or, or confirm that, no, we all experienced that very weird thing.
2: Why do you think some locations get reputations as being haunted and and others don't?
3: Well, I, I sometimes wonder if, if some of these places that have become kind of like vacation spots because mm-hmm. of the reality TV shows, you get these places that, you know, once some of the TV shows have sent their cast members there to investigate, it, it gets this reputation of being haunted. But even before then, these places become like the local story. It's the It's the... The abandoned house or piece of property that everybody's convinced has to be haunted, and I sometimes wonder if the the attention, whether it's from the locals or then the the television attention, I'm wondering if we're sometimes dealing with tulpas, the whole idea of uh, uh, an, a spirit created simply out of people projecting yeah. the idea that a location is haunted. Um, you you know you hear about you know these places where. Someone will say, oh, no, that place is haunted. I've heard mm-hmm. this rumor, I've heard that rumor. And then someone from out of town will come and not know anything about that location and then say, wow, it was really weird. I went by that old building up by the intersection and there was this weird woman standing in the, uh, the window. Well, he didn't know about the stories, but maybe he saw a ghost that could have possibly been created by sheer will of everybody in the area keep saying, that place is haunted. But then again... If if it isn't you know a theory like that, if it is a you know a, a spirit, a true spirit as as we like to think ghosts are, perhaps um, it's the sheer history of that location. Maybe there's something to covet at that location from another time. Maybe uh, forgotten treasure. Uh, maybe an unjust crime that needs to be solved, and and uh, uh, the right person uh, needs to have the the blame put on. But there's some locations that. You don't think it should be haunted, but yet you keep hearing stories about it. So, again, I wish I had a clear-cut answer for you, but I I think it could be a number of things.
2: All right, stand by, Andrew. You and I have to take our first commercial break.
0: And we shall
2: be back in a couple of seconds. Explanation: our guest this hour is Andrew Lake, and uh, his website is www.greenvilleparanormal.com, and he's the author of Ghost Hunting Southern New England. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Nation Andrew Lake, is my special guest this hour. He's the author of Ghost Hunting Southern New England. His website is www.greenvilleparanormal.com. Andrew, why do you think in today's society, here we are the year 2018, and we live in a very high-tech world, why do people want to believe in the paranormal? Why do people go out seeking the, the events or the phenomenon?
3: Uh, that uh, For myself... I like to think mm-hmm. that there are are there are things going on right alongside of our everyday reality that isn't fully understood. I kind of get a little bit a little bit uh, uh, my cackles kind of go up when I hear people speak of the world around us like they know it, they've got it under their thumb. Science can explain this, mm-hmm. and uh, religion can explain that. But then something will occur that's outside any of their their realms of of understand, understanding and, and explanation. So for me it's the thrill of knowing that there are realities and things going on around us that the everyday world doesn't acknowledge for other people. I don't know. I, sometimes I think it's, there are a lot of people who are sort of agnostic in their spiritual beliefs. So mm-hmm. maybe, um, you know, connecting with the afterworld, that's, you know, as far as they'll take, uh, religious or spiritual beliefs, but yet it, it, they're still incorporating it somewhat into their life. um, I think there are some people that just do it for the sheer thrill of it. You know that the, there are people who like to ghost hunt nowadays that I notice who are really into horror uh, films and slasher movies and gore films. So for some people, it seems to be just a, uh, a cheap attempt to try and experience some real life, uh, you know, horror and, and thrills for themselves. But um, it does seem to have taken on, you know, a, a new life because through mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s. If I brought up the subject of ghosts, chances are I'd be laughed at and told to keep quiet. It, it seemed like around 2005 when the show Ghost Hunters uh, started that people seemed to be a little bit more open-minded. And I found it a lot easier for me to, to, to broach the subject and, and bring it up without people going, Ah, that's, that's a bunch of nonsense.
2: Well, I, I, I remember going back to 1995 or 1994 when our show first uh, started, uh, the syndication. And ghost hunting was a really big topic there. It seems that after the X-Files came out, as well as the the popularity of the Internet and everybody having access to the Internet at home, man, it, it just blossomed.
3: Yeah, and also Art Bell, I think, mm-hmm. had a lot to do with
2: it, Hey, too. listen, he, he was the greatest of greats.
3: Yeah. Oh, he saved my life. I had a delivery courier job from hell. It was third shift. I drove 486 mm-hmm. miles a night. And the radio was absolutely terrible. And one night... Two weeks into the job, I'm flipping through the dial, and I hear someone say Bigfoot. <laughs> I yeah. was like, whoa, what's that? And I tuned back, and that's how I discovered Art Bell. And for those 15 months I did that job, mm-hmm. man, he, he saved my life. And, and yes, I did notice that, well, hey, you know, there's other people out there talking mm-hmm. about this, and I don't feel so alone. I think Art Bell was probably the first uh, person to give me a, a, a room, so to speak, a, a venue to visit, so to speak, where I didn't feel like uh, I was out of place. Gotcha. What was your first paranormal experience? At the age of 11, staying in a very old house owned by uh, some, uh, uh, a family that we're mm-hmm. f- uh, friends with. Uh, the house was built in the, um, uh, the 1800s, and I, was, I woke up at 2.35 one night, and this house was very, very old. The floors, you could literally, if you got down on your knees, you could see through the floorboards to downstairs. This house was only good for uh, a summer house. I don't know how anybody ever lived in it throughout you know, the winter in the old days. But anyway, I woke up at 235 and directly below me in the kitchen, somebody was busy in the kitchen and their feet never touched the floor. I never heard footsteps, just them moving chairs, opening cabinets, taking bowls and silverware out of drawers. And then it just stopped and everybody was accounted for upstairs and they were all sound asleep. And it happened again the very next night. And when I brought it up to my friend, his family were very religious and and didn't believe in the supernatural. Mm. And, and when he got tired of me asking questions about, you know, what I had experienced those two nights, he said, "I don't know. My great aunt died in the house. Maybe it was her." And when I tried to talk to his father about it, he got kind of upset with me. He said, "We don't we don't talk about sure. those things, Andrew." And I remember apologizing and feeling awkward. But I'm absolutely convinced it was uh, his great aunt kicking around in the house.
2: How do we? Explain? And then when I
3: was thirteen, when, excuse me, when I was thirteen. Yeah. I had another experience in England with my mother, and we were. Um, backed up later when somebody stayed at that same location mm-hmm. and never heard our story and then told almost the same story back to us. And, of course, what really kept me going is in my 20s, I actually lived in a haunted house in Sichwit, Rhode Island, which is funny because I had my first experience in Sichwit, Mass, and then I ended up living in Sichwit, Rhode Island in a haunted house with uh, uh, two female spirits.
2: How do we explain the fact that you were able to hear the, uh, the apparition or the, or the specter presumably, of this person's aunt when, you know, taking out pots, pans, dishes, silverware, moving chairs around when ghosts have no physical extremities. You know, they, they're not physical. They're basically...
3: And, and plus, if yeah. I was to go downstairs, there probably wouldn't have been one thing moved mm-hmm. out of place because the next morning nothing was touched. And this is my personal theory. Yeah, I th- I've been told, I've worked with psychics, and I've worked with some gals who were absolutely remarkable. And, and something they all said to me is, Andrew, you're far more psychic than you realize. You are, you're much more psychic than you realize. So I sometimes wonder if experiences that people have with hauntings, is they're not actually seeing something with their eyes or hearing something with their ear, they're experiencing it more psychically than visually or you know, through auditory. And I think what I was experiencing was the energy of my friend's great aunt. The family is back in the house. The family energy is there. It brings her out of the the fabric, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And she is, in spirit form, reliving what she would have been doing. She would have been doing things in the kitchen. She would have been preparing things and, and getting stuff ready. So I think, in spirit form, she's doing what she naturally would have done in that environment. And I was picking up on it psychically, not actually with my ears, but that's just my theory. so what is the what
2: is the goal of of anyone who investigates the paranormal? For example, let let's just stick to ghosts for this hour mm-hmm. what, what is the goal? Why do they do it?
3: Well, I think a lot of people make the mistake that they're going to be the one that comes up with that "Aha piece of, you know, so-called evidence that's sure. going to finally prove it. But I try to explain to people you're you're never going to prove anything. Just like just like skeptics can't mm-hmm. disprove it, we can't prove it. So I think a lot of people uh get down that rabbit hole that they're going to get that camera or that audio recorder or whatever that's going to get that piece of evidence that's going to make even skeptics go, "Well, uh, I guess I was wrong." Yeah. Well, that's never going to happen. So for me, it's just it's just for the um the, the personal interest of it and if i can capture an evp or an anomaly mm-hmm. I, i'll share it with other people and, and i'm and like we're doing right now just sitting here chatting about sure. it i do like to give public you know talks and and be able to, to tell my stories and other people's stories and and show photographs and video clips but i tell all my audience members that none of this is proof of anything it's just fascinating and it's also history that's the other thing about ghosts ghosts are history and i'm a bit of a history buff and I find it really fascinating that when you can back up a ghost story with actual you know, historic you know, documentation. Yep. So that's it for me, too. That's another thing, because I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff.
2: If skeptics can't prove that a ghost doesn't exist, and believers can't prove a ghost does exist, it makes no sense to do it.
3: Yeah, it is. But then again, I I mm. think climbing up mountains just because they're there is kind yeah. of stupid. I agree. But you know, there are people that that are that are going to uh, going to do that. Sure. Um, and it, and again, uh, when you've had that personal experience, mm-hmm. and you go home and you're like, son of a gun, I saw that. Right. Um, it really can just charge you to keep looking for it. It can become sort of like an addiction. I mean, I've had I think some of the most satisfying moments I've had is I had skeptics with me when things happened, and it absolutely turned their world upside down. And that, that'll always recharge my batteries and get me back out there mm-hmm. looking to see if I can have that, you know, that experience. But just being in an environment that has history and has these stories is enough for me. I feel sorry for those people that buy hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of gadgets, mm-hmm. and then they go out there and nothing happens, so they feel like you know, you know, they got cheated some way.
2: Speaking about gadgets, so how do you explain an EVP? For example... I, I understand what an EVP is, but the, mm-hmm. the technology behind it, I've been, I've been in media for, you know, like I think since 1981. And I, I, I'm pretty savvy with audio and broadcasting. I've got an engineering degree in broadcast media. EVPs defy every rule of logic and science and engineering. If you cannot hear something, it cannot be recorded. And yet, people play back what they, you know, an audio record, uh, an audio session, either on a digital recorder or analog recorder, and they claim to get these EVPs.
3: And yet, it's been happening since the invention of elect- electronic uh, tape too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first ones were discovered in Europe right after World War II. And as crazy as it sounds, they claim that the EVP was actually Adolf Hitler apologizing. So I mean, it's been this phenomenon has been known of for for some time. Mm-hmm. There's even a, supposedly a wax recording of a shaman that was being interviewed at a reservation, and there was another voice on the wax cylinder that was not the shaman talking. So th- this has been around for a while. And again, it's something that I'd want to say go back to my theory that it's something you know to do with psychic energy and psychic imprints. But I've had cases, and other people have had cases where. I've had headphones on with a very sensitive microphone, Mm -hmm. and I've heard the voice, and everybody was accounted for, and nobody said what I heard, and sure enough, it's on the recording.
2: All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break. sure. sure. Andrew Lake is our guest this hour, www.greenvilleparanormal.com, and he is the author of Ghost Hunting Southern New England. We'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. Right here in the X-Zone with your truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. back, everyone. Before we get back to our guest this hour, Andrew Lake. Over the years, people have come on this show and said, you know, with the information that we have pertaining to whatever the paranormal phenomena is, if we were to take the evidence that we have into a court of law, we would win the case. Interesting proposition, I have thought to myself. So what we did was we've created a TV show called Paranormal Court TV that will give you the opportunity of presenting your case your findings your evidence in a real court that's right with a real judge a real prosecutor and if you don't have a lawyer to present, represent you or you want to represent yourself and present your own case that's great we'll have forensic scientists trained police criminal investigators as well as polygraph examiners and PSE examiners, photographic examiners, and audio examiners. Now, if you would like to present your case on Paranormal TV that will be broadcast around the world live on Simul TV, go to www.paranormaltv.com. And at the very top of the page is a case submission form. Click on that. Fill out the form, send it to us, and one of our producers will uh, contact you about getting you on the show now. Here's where it gets very interesting. You have to submit to a polygraph test. You have to submit to a psychological stress evaluation test prior to going on the show. Here's something else. The jury is the world. It will be broadcast in real time on Simul TV on the Exone TV channel. And based on the evidence, based on the evidence, the world will render the verdict of either fact or fiction. Once again, www.paranormalcourttv.com. Welcome back, Andrew. Nice having you with us. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about the USS Salem?
3: Oh, the Salem, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the, um, the present uh, state of that uh, ship is. I know they're having problems with the dock, so mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still open to the public, but I've been on the Salem, and um, uh, the Salem is an interesting ship. It never saw combat uh, during the Cold War. It, uh, its sister ship, uh, the Newport News, did go to Vietnam and, and had an absolute horrible... Um, Uh, disaster on board but it was over uh uh, near greece and Mm uh while on uh its tour of duty there was a horrible earthquake on uh, one of the greek islands and it was absolutely terrible and uh the salem was the first one to get there and took on a lot of injured and uh and sick and dying uh folks uh, including a lot of animals from what i understand and that's that's relevant to the haunting but uh they had a, a lot of births and they had a lot of deaths in that time and uh they All the deaths attributed on the boat uh, are uh, Greek civilian deaths. There was a guy killed on it while it was in dry dock. I think he fell down one of the elevator shafts, Uh, and there was a docent once it was um, in Quincy, Mass., as a museum. A docent passed away of a a heart attack. Uh, But the ship has had quite a few investigations on it, and some people have caught some very... impressive uh, evps and and, Mm -hmm. uh, anomalies but i think my favorite story is about the docent who passed away on the ship from a heart attack because people have gotten lost while taking a tour of the ship and then found their way back to where they want to be uh because of the very nice guy down uh by the uh the anchor room that showed them the the way to go and when they talk about him it's the guy who passed away because none of the other docents have told them, you know the guy you're talking about is dead but uh, I find it very interesting that a guy who was so passionate about mm-hmm. keeping that ship uh, alive as a museum is still helping uh, wayward tourists find their way out of the place. Do any of these but, wayward? Uh, do any oh, of these?
2: Yeah. Do any of these wayward tourists ever take a picture of this nice little guy?
3: Uh, no, no. I, I uh, they, you know, there was. I, I mean, if you think about it, there's no reason to take a picture of a guy telling you, "No, you want to go back that way. Mm-hmm. You're, you're heading the wrong way." But uh, no, nobody's taken a photograph mm-hmm. of him. Uh, there's been been uh, some uh, some. Uh, EVPs recorded of, uh, like, people in pain and agony. Uh, some people have uh, claimed they've with what, what sounds like Greek. I've never heard whether it's been determined whether it was Greek. Uh, but there were, like I said, there were animals brought on board, and uh, one of the docents told me that uh, they were shutting the ship down for the night. It was just he and, and, and a woman, one of the directors uh, of the museum. They were uh, the only ones on the ship, and they clearly heard a dog barking decks below them. And there was no dog on on board they even checked to make sure of it uh, to make sure someone was straight and get on board and uh never found him. but they're you know they was told that people brought their pets and animals on board after the earthquake so maybe it's a sure. an injured dog that uh, perished on the ship but a fascinating museum if anybody's interested in military history
2: but what do we know about the ship itself where was it built when was it commissioned uh when was it built? Uh, it was Maybe. built
3: it was built in the uh, the dockyards right there in Quincy where mm-hmm. it is now. That's actually where it was built. It, it, it's uh it's sister ship the Newport News. Uh one of the other reasons why it might be uh haunted is because the Newport News had a gun turret explode while firing uh, rounds into uh, North Vietnam. And it was supposedly a horrible disaster. Guys not only were killed in the gun turret but they were killed uh, decks below. There were guys who were burned to death by steam Ew. pipes that uh, burst from the explosion. Mm-hmm. But stuff from the Newport News uh, were placed on the Salem in a museum dedicated to the Newport News. So there are items on that ship that came from its sister ship that had this, this horrible um, uh, disaster on board. Uh, so some people feel that um, some of the, uh, the military ghosts that, that psychics claim to have communicated with are, are guys that are attached to the stuff from the the Newport News, but like I said, it, it, the 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 Salem went out into the Mediterranean to face off against the uh, the Soviet Union. It was supposed to be a very impressive ship for its day. It was supposed to be made for World War II, but it wasn't finished till after the end of the war. But it had it had uh, an aiming system on its guns that scared the uh, the heck out of the uh, the Russians. So when it went around the Mediterranean, it it, it was a um, it was a big dog on the in the neighborhood to be reckoned with, but again never never saw combat, never had to go toe to toe with anybody
2: you you've mentioned psychics a number of times over the past uh you know time that we 've been speaking. Mm. Why do you put so much credence in
3: psychics um i don 't put so much credence into uh anything really okay. i don 't mean to you know to sound um you know uh, sarcastic or anything but mm-hmm. I have met women throughout my life, even from my childhood that and it 's funny i 've only met one guy who's had the ability but I've met some women who've had the remarkable ability to pick up on things that could be verified. Uh, and when they can give me names and, and very detailed situations, and someone can come along and go, oh, my God, I know exactly what you know, he or she is talking about. And they're able to put that information down right in front of me. And people go, I was here when that happened. I know exactly what she's talking about. That's why I feel there definitely is something to it, that there is some kind of frequency vibration out there Mm -hmm. that contains information that certain people can pick up and read and and they all seem to have different degrees i've known some that could give absolute perfect descriptions of a person but couldn't even get an initial on a name and somebody who could barely give me a description of the person they were talking to but could give me a first name and, and like a last initial or 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 even get the last name correct so You can't just grab a psychic and go, okay, I'm going to take you to this location and you're going to do this type of reading. Every one of them seems to have a a different degree of ability. But again, like I've said, I've worked with some Mm -hmm. that were RNs. I mean, a nurse that worked up in Boston. Uh, I mean, we're talking to a serious professional, and and she had a remarkable ability to to pick up on names and and, and, uh, situations. I've worked with a young lady named Stephanie. Uh, who's just absolutely um, shut people up. Even yeah. skeptics have walked away going, I don't know how she did that, uh, but you know that, that's creeping me out. So I guess you work with them enough, you know some of them are, are you know, living in their own, their own little world and they're not really psychic, but I have met, I think, four solid psychics in my life that have just absolutely been remarkable. And the EVPs that I've caught, especially with Stephanie, uh, have been remarkable like i i caught up to three four five evps in an hour with her just walking through a location so that's another reason why i like working with them i seem to catch uh, remarkable evps in their presence
2: so what kind of remarkable evps have you caught
3: well i'll tell you uh, just off the top of my head uh there was a house i looked into for seven years in situate rhode island mm-hmm. And I brought a gal uh, named Alicia who is very good at catching EVP. For what reason, I don't know if it's the recorder she uses or whatever, but she's a down-to-earth, good gal. She's not not a game player. She's not an attention seeker, so I can trust her. Well, we had this other uh, gal with us, Nicole, who um, was quite gifted. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting in the room, and we were using a dowsing crystal to see if we could get any yes or no uh, answers. And I, I looked over at the, the homeowner and these two gals and I said, doesn't the, the atmosphere in the room feel like it changed? Doesn't it feel like that jerk is in the room with us or, or, or the guys in the room with us? I, I, that's how I put it. And, uh, the psychic goes, yeah, he's a jerk. And the homeowner goes first class jerk. And right as she says that this male voice goes, you slut, mm-hmm. you know, just, just like that is, you know, they're insulting this, this entity this voice as clear as a bell as if a guy was sitting in the room with us um, says that.
2: All right, stand um, by. We've got to take our final break. Exxon Nation okay. Andrew Lake is my guest for this hour, www.greenvilleparanormal.com. And he's the author of Ghost Hunting Southern New England. And we'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the XO from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. For the latest edition of the X Chronicles newspaper, go online with our compliments, xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And don't forget to submit your paranormal case to have your your case heard in our court, the Paranormal Court. Go to TV.com, Go to the top of the page and uh, click on the case submission, case hearing submission. It'll bring you to a page, fill out the form, send it in to us, and one of our producers will get a hold of you. I'll be back on the other side. Don't go away.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
2: Explanation. Our guest this hour is Andrew Lake. He's the author of Ghost Hunting Southern New England. His website is greenvilleparanormal.com. dot com. Uh, you spoke about Mark Twain or the Mark Twain House in your book. What can you tell us about yes. your experience there?
3: Oh, it was it's a it's a beautiful place. It's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing how uh over the years the the folks in Connecticut found a lot of uh, the Twains uh of uh, belongings and got them back into the house and, and brought the house back to its uh it's heyday it's a it's a remarkable home and the marden museum next door is uh is worth seeing but the house itself uh is uh where twain uh was probably the most successful and happy in his life but it's also where he lost his daughter susie and when uh, she passed the family was just absolutely devastated and they ended up moving away and uh, building another house uh, uh, in, in Connecticut, which has burned to the ground. Uh, but um, they left the house, and, and for some reason, the house seems to be not only haunted by Susie, who's been seen moving about the house, actually floating above the floor. She moves rather smoothly and quickly through the house. Uh, but they've heard uh, the laughter of children and have actually seen children about the house, and the the only explanation for that is is the fact that Mark Twain used to love entertaining his kids and and the local kids and he and um his uh, right-hand man uh his butler and buddy uh used to uh you know play the the horses and the animals and make up stories in the indoor garden mm. and so it makes you wonder if these are spirits that are in visitation because it was such a, a happy place to be. There's nothing sinister or, or or dark about the hauntings. There yeah. probably the funniest one was when uh, a smoke alarm went off in the middle of the night, and the fire department that's right across the street answered the alarm, came in the house, checked the board, saw it was on the third floor where Mark Twain used to sit up by his uh, uh, billiard tables and his desk, and and smoke up a storm with his cigars. And they went to the house, and there was no fire, but yet the third floor was absolutely filled with the smoke, uh, the smell of uh, cigar smoke. There was no smoke visibly seen. But the firemen all agreed that all they could smell was was cigar smoke, and they stayed there for hours to make sure that there wasn't a fire somewhere hidden in the wall or the ceiling or whatever, and determined that there was no fire. And all of them walked out, kind of chuckling and shrugging their shoulders, going, "Wow, that's kind of weird." But uh, you know, maybe Mark Twain was in residence uh, and smoking up a a psychic cigar, so to speak.
2: But once again, how would the smell of a this- cigar be that's
3: just it you know. that's just it that's 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 the the many questions because I mean the paranormal is like an ice cube if you try and you know hold it too tight it it will squirt out you know through the top of your hand or or, or melt quickly and mm-hmm. run through your fingers uh, that's why I keep telling myself that um, like that case I mentioned that I looked in for seven years every time I thought I had a handle on that case mm-hmm. it would take a different turn so the paranormal is it, it'll always keep you guessing and all I can tell the people is keep an open mind Know that anything is possible, and uh, and and just um, use you know use your imagination. Don't try and don't try and nail anything down, or you just get frustrated and disappointed.
0: <laughs>
2: um, why do you th- why is it only certain people have the experience? And if the paranormal was real, wouldn't everyone have the same experience?
3: Well, I've run into an awful lot of people that will start off by looking at me really serious and going, mm-hmm. "Look, I don't believe in ghosts." But I've got to tell you, my wife and kids are telling the truth. I thought they were nuts, mm-hmm. and I saw that little girl walk through the house. I even followed her into, into the bedroom. She was as real as you, and she disappeared. I don't believe in this stuff, but I saw it. Oh, okay. and the only explanation the only explanation I could have for mm-hmm. that is maybe that person is a little bit more psychic than they're willing to admit to themselves. But I've met people from all walks of life that have had no experiences, mm-hmm. and some that seem every time they turn around or... You know, the new house they move into or whatever, they, they haven't experienced. So I haven't been able to, 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 to pin that one down either.
2: <laughs> Why do you think mainstream science has not taken an interest in investigating the paranormal?
3: Well, I mean, we, uh, mo- I think most people by now have, have heard about the, uh, the book and now a new documentary, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, mm. and uh, Bob Bigelow's very serious attempt to look into that uh, ranch in uh, northeastern uh, Utah uh they had everything from poltergeist activity to bigfoot and ufos and yeah is that the, the one with,
2: t- is that the one with james gilliland
3: um no that was um um oh geez i i'm sorry i got george Norrie's name stuck in my head mm-hmm. uh it was the uh, the broadcaster from uh, out west there um uh oh i hate when i draw a blank on someone's name oh it's okay uh but anyway, it, it, he, um, they investigated this guy, Bob Bigelow, Bob, a multi-billionaire mm-hmm. involved in the space program. He had a team of scientists at his disposal for years looking into this property, and they all admitted that something new that they were there investigating the, the, the uh, phenomena, and it played games with them. And two of the scientists left the ranch in absolute terror and said, don't ever mention my name or embarrass me by telling people what, what happened to me. So those scientists, their end uh, result was, it knew we were trying to study it, and it wouldn't let it uh, let us study it, and it would play games with us that we couldn't, uh, you know, we weren't prepared for, or we weren't ready for, so we couldn't record it or or document it. Supposedly, the new team that's there, mm-hmm. they've caught four daylight uh, UFO photographs, but I know nothing more than than that. So yeah. uh, I think, like uh, uh, Morris Gross of um, uh, from England said years ago, he was the guy who looked into the Enfield Poltergeist case. Mm-hmm. He says there are there's a universal trickster. There's a, there's a trickster that plays games with us, and the Muslims believe in the jinn. The mm-hmm. Muslims will tell you that all paranormal is the jinn. It's it's a it's a demon-like character that likes to mess with your mind and make you see things that aren't there. So, who knows? Maybe the reason why uh, scientists don't want to look into it is because they don't want to be ridiculed, and others have, and they've had games played with them that just you know befuddle them and make them throw their hands up and give up. But but.
2: That doesn't make sense to me as, as, as a layperson. You know, I'm not a scientist. I've never claimed to be a scientist. And, and yet, you know, scientists are, are spending billions of dollars trying to get us to Mars, uh, or they're investigating this, that, and the other thing, wasting money left, right, and center. So why wouldn't they—are are they afraid of the dark? Is that why they well, don't want to go and that investigate? Also, I've
3: had other people make the, the, the point that there's a lot more mm. money to a space program than to proving that ghosts are real
2: or proving ghosts yeah, it, aren't real, because now ghost and the paranormal is turning into a nice little para, uh, para-tourism industry.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm guilty of that, too. I give my own personal tours of haunted mm-hmm. Rhode Island. If I, anybody's in the area and interested, I can uh, give them a, a tour of haunted Rhode Island. So I'm a little guilty of commercialism, too, to an extent.
2: But what does that commercialism do to the validity of anybody who's making a claim that the paranormal is real?
3: I try to make sure that I'm I'm not... Uh, Stepping on anybody's toes or or telling someone else's story Mm. wrong. I try to get the facts straight as I've been told or I've I've learned them. I I try to uh, I try to only tell stories that I personally feel. No, no, I I I guess what I'm trying
2: to. No, that's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm sorry. Here, here, you've got you know credibility at at question here. Whenever money walks in, credibility walks out.
3: Right, right. I follow you.
2: So, what has the power industry done to the to the world of the paranormal besides exploit it and exploit the people who believe and oh, exploit okay. the
3: people? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, i yeah, absolutely agree. With you know, it it, it it has it, they have made uh, a bit of a, a mockery of it. Yeah. Um, I get kind of disappointed when people gravitate to me. They they see how long I've been doing this and my interest, and they mm-hmm. start bringing up these TV shows, and I I just have to kind of you know politely roll my eyes and sure. explain to them. You know, I. I just don't follow any of those because it's it's all it's all nonsense. It's all uh, there's no way that every single week your team can get you know evidence and experiences and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think I think the the industry of the television shows and and some of the some of the um, uh, the, 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 the the lesser blog radio uh, shows out there I think are just trying to jump on a, a hot topic uh, and and milking it for for all they can. Mm-hmm. I know these production companies. Uh, they only want to do the same show over and over and over again. You can't bring them a different approach to do it. They want to do it that reality show with drama and personalities. Um, so, I mean, as long as they're going to continue following that format, I don't think the paranormal will be uh, dealt with in a serious, um, respectful light as far as TV production goes.
2: You see, and that's why we're producing our own, because we have the assets, we have the ability, and we have the networks. So we've decided yeah. to do our own. You know, basically put your money where your mouth is. If you say that you can actually go into a court of law, present the evidence that will, you know, will prove your case, we'll give you the opportunity.
3: Yeah, I, I, I say good luck with that. Yeah. But boy, that, that would definitely be a good courtroom argument. I, could, I can see some people getting a little bit heated with that.
2: So can I, uh, listen, uh, before we go, we've got about a minute and a half. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, and I wish you continued success. I, I like the way you think.
3: Oh, thank you very much. No, I I talk to anybody who knows me, and I can rant and rave about the paranormal for
2: hours. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly, tell us about the Grafton House.
3: I'm sorry, the which house? Grafton. Uh, The Grafton House. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, in Connecticut?
2: I have no idea. It's in the questions that you submitted. Yeah, you said what can you... The Grafton House. Yeah, it's right under the question you sent about the Mark Twain House.
3: The Grafton House. I've drawn a blank on that. Um... That I believe is the. Oh boy, do I feel stupid! The Grafton House. I don't think mm-hmm. I did the Grafton House. The well, name is familiar, but I did not. Uh
2: here, here is what you sent our producer. Number I, seven,
3: didn't send the, I didn't send the producer anything, to be honest with you. That's why you throw me.
2: Well, is your uh, is your email address Green Village uh, Green Village at Yahoo dot com? Hello. Hello?
3: You are at yahoo.com.
2: Yeah. Um, So uh, you said, you know, we've got ten questions here, or nine questions, and uh, question number eight is, what can you tell us about the Grafton House?
3: Oh, well, I'm sorry. I I did not see that list of questions. I don't mean to seem stupid, but I did not see that list of questions, and I I, uh, didn't answer any. But the Grafton House... um, uh, the name sounds familiar, but I'm off the top of my head, I can't tell you one thing about it. All
2: right. We've got to and say so long for now. I want to thank you so much for okay. joining us. And uh, Exon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about uh, our guest this hour and the questions that he said he didn't send are, are right here. That's his picture. And here are the questions. We're not making this up. Isn't it funny when you start asking questions? Oh, I I, I forgot. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. I am Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone. Hmm. Maybe it was the ghost who sent us the questions. I have to ask Stephanie about this. Strange, eh? Welcome to my world. Don't forget, check out Paranormal Court TV, www.paranormalcourttv.com.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, while the rest of us sleep in.